Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? This your boy Johnny Vegas, host of Sleepers for Billionaires, the podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right away from your phone or your computer. Creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google podcasts and many more you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership download the anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started I want to be a billionaire, I ain't getting no sleep, till I see a milli every week I want to be a billionaire, I ain't getting no sleep, till I see a billy every week I want to be a billionaire, billionaire, I want to be a billionaire, billionaire Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of Sleepers for Billionaires, the podcast I am your host, Johnny Vegas Now today, ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat I got a very special guest on my show This man is a keynote speaker He's an author. He's a world changer. Ladies and gentlemen, 19 Keys. Man, appreciate you, man. <laughs> What's good with you, Sly Boy? Hey, got to, I'm man. I'm amazing, man. You, you know? mean, you came all colorful, man, all bright. I got to get bright you know, with you, man. My brother Blue Pill told me, man, I'm, I don't wear enough color. You know what I'm saying? He yeah. said people react to you differently when you got on different colors, so I decided to switch it up a little bit, man. There you go, Let man. That spectrum hue hit people a little differently. Hey, <laughs> it looks good, man. You look like you're ready for Miami right I now, really man. Am, man. You know, you got to take... I, I I feel like I look at the philosophy of how people treat their Mondays. Right. Like Mondays have a bad connotation, so people have a bad day. Like so, it's kind of like for me, it's like whatever connotation and energy you put into something is what you get back. Mm-hmm. So Miami is here. Like that energy when you think about Miami, that should be exciting in your environment already. That's a yeah, fact. I mean, bring Miami to you. If you can't take that trip, figure out how you can cultivate that energy in your environment. I love that way of thinking, man. It's almost like the world is your paradise. The earth is your turf. Wherever you go, it's it really like is. your vibe dictates the outcome yeah. at all times. And I love that energy, man. So I wanted to get more, you know, ever since I've been speaking with you, you know, the past couple of days, you know, you've been an enlightened kind of brother. You know, you seem very driven, very determined, such as myself. And I like to be around that energy, you know. But before we get into your purpose and your mission, your mission, I want to learn more about you. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like before 19 Keys came about, you know, I want to talk about where you're from, your upbringing, and what really awake, awoke you to where you realized what your purpose was yeah. in life. So let's start from the beginning, man. Where you from? <laughs> I was born in St. Louis, but I was raised in Oakland. Mm. Um, so we left Oakland when I was two years old. Yeah, you know I mean, so the journey really began from there. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a, a totally different world than most people. I didn't have the average childhood um, growing up. You know, my father and my mother, they converted to Islam mm. after they met each other, after listening to Minister Farrakhan. Mm. And that trajectory of thought, you know, changed our lives for who their children would be. You know what I mean? They named us all Muslim names to make sure all my names had meanings starting off. Mm. And one of the first things that they taught us that I remember in early childhood that I believe was one of those significant key things which I like to call the God spark because they told us that we were young gods at an early age. Mm. And for me, a development of understanding of that journey and what that meant as I matured throughout life, I think was probably monumental in cultivating who I am today. So when I was, you know, at young, we grew up in the hood though. You mm. feel me? So definitely never had it to where I felt like life was just at super ease because my father, he was in his organization uh, I guess you call it organization. Yeah, it's called You're a Black Muslim Bakery. Mm. Now, it be, the moniker became like You're a Black Muslim Bakery, but it was really an organization that had its own schools, had its own EM health services, had its own security services, real estate, investment, uh, a chain of bakeries, and a bunch of other different things. And there was also a power structure in Oakland, California. Mm. Most people only know about the Black Panthers when they hear about Oakland, but there was a reign of power in Oakland for over 40 years when black Muslims controlled Oakland. You know what I mean? It was like a certain area of Oakland that I don't care what you was doing before you hit that street in that area, mm. but you straighten up when you got to that street. Right. You know what I mean? Because you know the Muslim brothers didn't play. Yeah. So growing up in that sort of environment where I seen a man by the name of Dr. Yusuf Bey, he had power. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I seen a black man that was a millionaire that had power. That talked about spirituality. That talked about true solutions. That talked about Islam. So he owned his own school. I went to that school when I was younger. You know what wow. I mean? And I believe that was probably where I got my first job from as well. So it was like growing up in that environment and that structure and seeing it, it was a different reality for me. But at the same time, after we would leave that, we'd go straight back to the streets. So it was a duality uh, upbringing, you know what I mean, that, that, that raised us. So it was like one moment you a God, but then the streets is like we fighting and getting into things just like everybody else. But none of the other people in that neighborhood understood our family. Mm-hmm. It was like the only black Muslims and the only <clears throat> thing they know about black Muslims is something that they heard on TV or the news or when they see a motorcade of 10 cars coming down the street and these brothers is hopping out with black suits on and bow ties looking like the men in black. Yeah. <laughs> and they're stopping there to do a militant drill on that street to showcase discipline. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then get the other people around in that environment to be like, yo, I don't care if you was doing crack, if you just got out of uh, jail, if, you know what I mean, the worst of the worst, you can come in and get rehabilitated and establish some discipline in your mind. Mm-hmm. And at an early age, early age, I remember being one of the youngest people we used to have to go through Monday men's meetings called FOI class. And I'm sitting in there in the meeting and we had to be very disciplined or we had to drill or they teach manhood training and development and spirituality and all kind of fighting and business. And so it's like, this is what my mind grew up Mm-hmm. As a as a youngster, so it's almost like a lot of the things that I see today, like they had vegetarian and yeah, you know I mean, and vegan burgers back then when I was growing up. I was a vegetarian for a child mm-hmm. as a child, but I used to sneak and eat chicken. And then mm-hmm. I was like, one day I was like, why am I doing this? I might as well just eat the chicken with it, the family. Right. So, but it's funny because a lot of things that people praise today were just normal reality for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I mean, but then it was the. We got into the streets as well. Mm. So it was like I had multiple cases growing up. You know what I mean? I fought all of those cases. Um, I don't have a, a record today because I took them all to either like trial, trial, or I just went through the whole case proceedings and they I got them knocked out or whatever it was. You know, well, got, congrats on that. Yeah, yeah, appreciate you, man. Oh, yeah, sure, man some sure. people don't come back from that, man. Nah, man. But... That's why I say that guy sparked because I remember sitting in an interrogation room one time and the investigators was trying to get me to snitch on my older brother for something. And I'm sitting there in my head laughing like, they don't know I'm a God. Like, yeah. that's that's kind of like how my mind always thought, like, what would God do in this situation? And I'm like, I know God ain't no snitch. <laughs> <laughs> my God you know ain't man? no snitch. Nah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They say God the judge. They never say God was a snitch. Right, you know what right, right. <laughs> Yeah, you know I'm saying so. I'm like, nah, man. I'm, I used to think I'd be like, these people really think they can get God to do something. And I used to think like, y'all don't have enough power to move God in me. Yeah, you know what I mean, so that was always something I developed. But then cultivating the understanding and growth as I got older was like, being a God this is not like an ego thing. You're talking about that God within. That God, like God, is force and power. So we have force and we have power. We have willpower that we can utilize to take thoughts outside our mind and put them into reality. Mm. So it's like, if you will be a guy, number one, you got to have knowledge. Mm. You have to have discipline, right? Because discipline represents control. Control represents power. You have to have self-knowledge. Everything is an understanding of self. Right. Like I consider myself to be a scientist. Mm. Scientist is one who is studying in, in a field or have expertise in that field. Right. Right. So, the science of self makes you a scientist. Mm-hmm. And I'm always experimenting so I can learn myself better and better and better and better throughout life. So growing up, man, I just seen a different paradigm and a different worldview of that seeing that place fall. Yeah. Because of many different situations I'm not gonna go into, but I seen another organization that my father had helped build up fall. I seen street organizations fall. I seen a lot of different men comprise power but lose it because of ego mm. or lose it because of unrighteous behavior. So growing up, you know, I've always thought I see the problem, I know what the solution is. Mm. And that makes me, I think, in a sense, visionary in how I believe that how things should go. But it's like, I can't give you my experience to help you see the way I see. Mm. I need you to believe in me and trust me a little bit. And I can guide you to producing this vision outward. So that's kind of like, and then having empathy with other people knowing like, yo, 
I, you didn't grow up like me, so I know that I have to explain this and gain that trust and things of that nature so that we can get to that point and produce that vision. Mm. Nah, man, that sounds great. Now, you're right, bro. It's like a lot of ego tends to, you know, mess up the, the greater goal, especially amongst, you know, a, a team, you know, yeah. when everybody doesn't have the same vision or the same uh, upbringing or qualities, right. you know what I'm saying? So how do we, you know, prevent that from even taking place, you know, with, with amongst each other, you know, we have an organization together. And how do we put ego aside so everyone can just focus on the greater goal and everyone can just play their position, so to speak? You know, um, I co-founded a group called The Shifters. Mm. It's a group of influential, powerful young men and women um, across this country. And we get together and we throw events together to teach the people, you know, true solutions. And one of the things that I found, you know, is, is, is very detrimental into any cause is like, especially dealing with men, it's, it's like women and ego. You know what I mean? And so, for one, you have to establish rules. You have to establish guidelines. But first, you have to figure out how. what can we do with this ego thing. So, the ego doesn't disappear. You need the ego. Mm. It's not particularly bad. It's just how you utilize it and what you put it into. Mm. So, we decided to do, instead of complain or instead of saying that, look, I did this. I want to be the front man. I want to be the one bigger on the poster or the flyer. Get the more talk minutes and things of that nature. For one, you have to learn down, learn how to bow down to the specialty or expertise that each individual has that you don't have. And that would uh, work with a good brother by the name of Dr. Wesley. He called it the Black Guy Protocol. Mm. It's saying that you have a frequency, a manifestation inside of you that I don't have. So how am I to be arrogant over you when you have something I don't have? But when we come together, that's what creates the colors. Mm -hmm. That's what makes the universe so colorful, as he put it. So for me, it was more so about saying, let's brag about not what I do, but let's brag about what we do together. Let's mm -hmm. make that the new ego, and we call that the we go. Mm -hmm. Where the we go is what we brag about. Right. But how do you create real unity? Because that sounds good, but the formula for that is a lot of people heard about the idea that, yo, if we unify, we just win. And it's true, but we've never seen that example. I've seen it growing up. I've seen black men unify to create a corporation, to create an establishment of power. But first, you have to practice inclusion, mm -hmm. right? If you include, if you, you tell me about an opportunity that you got going on, and you included me into that, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to reciprocate it and build that inclusion. What's that going to do? We're going to start coming together for a common cause. Mm -hmm. We're going to build solidarity. Right. And then that solidarity unifies us. Mm -hmm. But most people don't follow the formula. They just saying, bro, let's unify no, okay, well, how do we do this? Mm -hmm. So I got like my bro, Derek Grace. You know what I mean? Anytime he has an event, he always invites me or flies me out or put me on an opportunity. He just put me in his video game. So mm -hmm. I'm a video game character. Hey, congrats and, on that. Thank you. And, and, and that's being intentional in your support, which is being, you know what I mean, inclusionary in the things that you do. Mm -hmm. And it's like you have to be intentional because... It, you forget to think about people. You forget to do certain things. But that design of thinking creates the proper interaction. So it's saying that how can you be intentional in supporting each other and practicing that inclusion? Mm. So if you look at it in business, it's like a lot of people complain about family and friends not supporting them. You know, and so it, I always tell people this is that let's say if you include or you practice that intentional support with 100 people and your conversion rate is only 10% of people actually support back. Now, you can keep throwing that support at them saying, hey, well, I'm going to do it because that's just my character, right? Mm -hmm. Or you can take that intentional support and focus on another 90 people, mm -hmm. right? Until you keep converting until all of the people in your, your circle are practicing that same intentional support and inclusion and then y'all have that proper unity. <clears throat> That I get, you know, and like, for example, me as a musician, right, you know, I promote my music and I noticed the ones that supported me for a long time versus the ones that didn't. Now, there was a point in my life where I was focused more on the people that weren't supporting me yeah. versus the ones that were. Yeah. Because the ones that weren't supporting me was a greater number versus right. the ones that, that were. Yeah. And it was like, it, it, it took for me to get older and really... Um, Tell myself, yo, I'm not going to stress about this because it's only killing me inside right. and just focus on the ones that were supporting me because it made me feel different, made right. me feel happy. You know what I'm saying? So I know that that's my core right there. So for that being said, for people that were 
where I was at, my mind wise, you know, in that situation, you know, how do they overcome? Um, how do they overcome that sense of, you know, focusing on the negative and just putting shedding light on the positive, even though the positive is, you know, amount was smaller than yeah. the negative. You know, um, there's something called the. If that made sense, I hope that made sense. No, I understand it. Okay, I understand it. You know, what you water grows. You know, to simply put it, you know what I mean? Is that if you focus on the negative, you have more negative things. Mm -hmm. you focus on the positive, you have more positive things. Mm -hmm. So the question is, what's your reality? What reality you want to live in? The one that's controlled by your negative perceptions or the one that's controlled by your positive ones? So it's like you can have 10 negative people saying shit over there about you, but one person over here saying something positive. Now, you can go over there and indulge that conversation with those 10 negative people, and it's going to enhance your perception. Like, that's all you hear. That's all that's feeding your mind. So that becomes your reality. Or you can ignore them and go over here and have this positive conversation with this person. Then that becomes your reality. And guess what? Now, 100% people in your reality is saying something positive to you. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's also kind of like in business, you think about like... Um, Customers versus clients, mm -hmm. right? A customer you just have a transaction with. Yeah, you know I mean, a client is a relationship. You build on that, right? So it's like you can have 10 people supporting you and 100 people not, mm -hmm. right? But those 10 people, if you make them clients over time, they're going to make up for those 100 people that's not supporting you in the first place. Right. And so I always say don't focus on who's not supporting you. Focus on who are. You know what I mean? And then you have your, your, your reality changes. But most people only... Their paradigm is, I only see negative things that exist in reality because we are bombarded with the problem so much. Mm -hmm. You look at documentaries, every documentary is about the problem. Right. You don't see documentaries about the solution because we are addicted yeah. to the problem. Yeah. And society curates the problem so much because people are emotionally attached to that. I always say there's different between family, friends, friends, and associates. So for me, a lot of people... Uh, incorrectly classified people as family, right, and relatives. So it's saying that you can be my relative just being bonded by blood. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. But my family is somebody who supports me. Mm. You know what I mean? When I have an endeavor, then we practice that inclusion. Mm. We are intentional in our support and we reciprocate that energy. Right. If you don't, then you're just a relative. Mm. It's not saying that I don't love you. I just need to classify this correctly. So I don't have disappointment in that relationship and it creates a false expectation that creates uh, depression for a mm -hmm. lot of people. If you're a friend, right, or associate, you can be an associate just by proximity. You know what I mean? We can even go out and kick it to the club or whatever it may be. That makes a person associate. That's somebody I associate with. Mm -hmm. But a friend, that's that person I'm calling when I'm in trouble. Right. That's that person I'm calling that support me day one of my business and throughout that journey. That's some person that knows me and not just knows a version of me. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's how are you classifying the people in your life correctly? Mm -hmm. Because it's your fault if you incorrectly classifying people that should just be in the associate category mm -hmm. and you have false expectations of their reciprocation. So for me, it's saying that nah, that's a and, and, and people can start off friends and they can go revert to associate. Like right, right. last year, we was solid. We was doing a lot of work. We was working together this mm -hmm. year. We kind of more associates mm -hmm. and it's nothing wrong with it. It's just knowing the difference so you don't have false expectations. That's a fact. Not, yeah, and again, it took me a while to learn that, you know, but it's all part of growth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I appreciate that. I hope you guys are listening, man. It's a wise brother right here. So, um, so, so now, you know, I'm interested to know who are some of your influences, you know, because, again, you're very world, very driven, you know, and uh, it sounds like, you know, you know your purpose, you're standing behind it with integrity and... Uh, I want to know, where do you get some of these influences from that drive this passion? Um, I believe uh, my early influences, you know, uh, for one, I got to give my brother, my older brother, a lot of credit. He gave me a lot of game when I was younger. I was able to see a lot of his mistakes and I was able to learn from a lot of, you know, the greatness that's within him. And he always taught me about what was good within me. And I've always focused on that. Mm. You know what I mean? And so... I, I definitely got a shout out my older brother, Asian Wan, that's one of probably my greatest influences. Um, but then you got Maswar Muhammad, Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and my father. Um, I believe those men created a caliber of example that shows execution. Mm. 
I like execution. Mm. The words are beautiful. You can be a great wordsmith with the vernacular of 19 keys. <laughs> but but if the execution is lacking, then, you know what I mean, you a poet with no works. You know what mm. I mean? So for me, it's like, what's the point if you don't produce? Right. Right? So I've seen the Honorable Elijah Muhammad produce a nation, mm. produce a million-dollar empire when he was alive. He had airplanes schools, uh, a newspaper, he had um, import-export fish businesses, he had a standing army, mm. you know what I'm saying? And he went against the United States government and, you know, he stood tall. That, to me, is a man that believed in what he spoke about and he executed and showed an example. Mm. At the time that he left, it was like $80 million empire, which was like over 600 something million million today or whatever. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like, there's not somebody who just lived in the realm of spirituality and things of that nature, but he brung it down to earth and he executed and he showed proof, mm. right? Minister Farrakhan, to this day, when the Honorable Elijah Muhammad left the nation, uh, or in 1974 when he passed over, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan at a particular point in time, you know, uh, fell off, mm. you know what I mean? Because there was a power struggle. A lot of people didn't want him to take over the nation, so he ended up leaving and having to fall off for like three years, build himself back up, then build the nation up on his own. Mm. So he didn't inherit anything from Elijah Muhammad, what's built today, right? He inherited in the sense that he told him to take over when he left, but his son didn't want him to. Right. So I look at his journey and be like, this man started a nation of Islam inside of America, mm. he called two million men together, right? On his own. Right. You know how hard that is to do? I mean, we got phones and technology you know today. <laughs> you barely call 20 of your friends together. Exactly. He called two million black men to come together for something good in a tone. And even Obama showed up. Right. Diddy showed up. Jay showed up. Everybody showed up. Mm -hmm. You don't even know what kind of spark of a shift that takes and what even came from that, it's, it's hard to calculate. Right. Not only did they come together, they cleaned up when they left and it was immaculate with no problems. Yeah. And he did that a couple of more times throughout history, but here's a man that built an empire to where there's young black men and women that come in there and there's many other colors of people as well, but they come in there and they start families, mm -hmm. like they start marriages. They're mm -hmm. good young men and women that come out there and they militant and they discipline. And a lot of people are learning to do for self and educate themselves on self-knowledge and speak truth to power and create true solutions to problems. So that example is powerful. Just as a man, like on some man stuff, you just look at him as man to man. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you agree with the ideology or not, but as an example of somebody who built themselves up, yeah. right, and internalized the message of his teacher and said, I'm going to execute, I don't, I'm, it's hard to find a greater example than that. Right, no, I, I totally agree, man. Shout out to the minister, man. I've been watching him for a while doing this thing. Um, do you ever see yourself going to that position? Or who do you inspire to, to be? Um, um, I believe that um, you don't follow teachings, so per se, you become them. Mm -hmm. And if you become them, that's what you get. So, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad had a great saying. He said, my greatest followers can fit in a yellow cap. Mm. And he said this as he just spoke in front of 60,000 people. Yeah. So he understood that everybody's not an executor. Everybody won't really get what he's saying. Everybody, some people take the, he, the his teachings and they be like, you know what? I take it for face value. That was good. And a lot of people take shit for entertainment these days. Mm -hmm. Take consciousness as a luxury. Yeah. Right? So it's like, and then other people, they see the decoded language in there. And they see that and they internalize it and they become it. Mm. So it's, it's a reason that only a few men in history build legacies and become legends throughout time because everybody don't know, like Nipsey say, everybody know how to decode the matrix. Mm -hmm. It's only a few. Right. So to answer your question, you know, I work to produce a legacy. And the goal over time has shifted. And, you know, for me saying that I absolutely want to produce power, but I don't want to be that I. I want to be able to work in a council of other men and women and we help shift the world in a paradigm, mm. right? So I believe that the era of, you know, uh, one man, you know, having the ability to hold so much together, mm. I believe that may, that may vanish after Minister Louis Farrakhan. 
You know, he's the last black man that has that much power. Yeah. Like, you know, like for real, when Obama left presidency, his power did too. Right. He has influence, but it's not the same. He can't. He's not in that seat. Point a finger and a hundred men go there. Thousand yeah. men go there. He don't have that kind of power. Mm -hmm. So saying that, but also Mr. Farrakhan is what you get to see when you see a black man that hasn't been assassinated. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he's been around for 60 something years. We've seen every other leader that came. Imagine if he was killed 20 years ago, 30 mm -hmm. years ago. For one, a lot of his proponents that are against him today held him as a legend and a hero. Right. People appreciate you when you're gone. Right. You know what I'm saying? But because he hasn't been killed, a lot of people won't give him his just due. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because we believe that the only validation that a black man can have as a legend is when he's killed by a white man. Right? Mm -hmm. So we look at Martin Luther King. We look at Marcus Mosiah Garvey. We look at... Uh, Mark, uh, uh, Malcolm X, we look at um, Dr. Khaled Muhammad, we look at a bunch of different people, it's like, if these men didn't, like a lot of these men had to die for you to appreciate them, and that's sad to me, because I know a lot of people once, I'm going to minister a fire kind of gone, you're going to see a flood of social media, oh, he did this, that, and the third, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. but it's unquantifiable how much you inspire people when you just do it from your heart, and you're not doing it to count, Yeah. right, so, you know, I, 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 at one point in time, you know, I, I just want to build up power to produce legacies, to employ my families, uh, to own land, you know what I mean, to have a workforce. But yes, I want to have a threshold of some power in this world, but I want to work with a council of other men and women who have power and unity mm. to continuously lead people and have intergenerational wealth. That's what's up, man. I'm glad you mentioned, you know, the whole thing about a lot of uh, our black leaders from the past, you know, were gunned down, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, and I always, you know, had that fear in the back of my mind since Lewis was getting so big that, yeah. God forbid, you know, that might be, you know, the end yeah. result. You know what I'm saying? That's why I actually, you, you know, if you wanted to have that seat at one point, you know, because my follow-up question would be, you know, would you be in fear of that result, you know, as far as getting too big, I guess, for the... I mean, I don't want to put point fingers of who's responsible for those murders in the past, but I guess just getting too big. Not at all. I mean, I believe that you live a life worthy if, you know what I mean, people want to kill you. <laughs> if you ain't, if, if people, if, you got to look at it like this. If the devil not against you, then, you know what I mean, uh, are you really moving godly? Mm. Like, you got to make an enemy. I was always taught the best thing you can do is make an enemy. Because you make an enemy through progress, you make an enemy through success, you make an enemy through your due diligence, through never giving up, through succeeding. You want to make an enemy through every level of life that you break through because there's always be somebody that's against your progress. Mm -hmm. So if I work and produce works that Allah grants me to continue to do in great favor, then of course I'm going to make great enemies. Mm -hmm. But if I make great enemies, that means I also got to have great friends. Right. So, nah, if you kill me, then my energy, my body is gone, but my energy lives forever. So it's like, if you do come after me, be prepared. Right. You know what I mean? Because you're only going to make another 19 million of Right. I'm not afraid of death. I've never experienced it before. What's the point of it? If I die, so what? you know how many men and women died on this planet Earth? Mm -hmm. If they could go through it, so can I. Right. You know what I mean? But I was always taught, fear no one but a lot. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm not fearful of the devil. I'm not mm -hmm. fearful of somebody wanting to take my life because I'm doing good. Right. That's a great reason to be gone. Right. You know what I mean? Because you lived a life of good. I would rather live a life that's worthy of, you know what I mean, dying for it and be cowardly and live a lone life that nobody cares about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because the insignificance of a person that doesn't do any good and that goes with the, the status quo within the world, yeah. they disappear. You know how fast people die once they did? Once your memory fades away, you're gone forever. Right. You cannot be put back into the record of history. Mm. Your energy never inspired nobody at any point in time. We talk about these men that were killed, right? But there's men that outlived them and that was right next to them. Mm. And they goddamn made it to 90 years old. They ain't nowhere in the history books. Right. Because they didn't live a life that was worthy of anything. Mm. So you gotta, you gotta live that kind of life where you can't be fearful. This is a a dangerous time we live in today. Right. You know what I mean? We getting attacked from all sides, from food, from the media, to uh, uh, the air. It's like there's attacks every fucking way. Yeah. I could die just by, you know what I mean, a car accident. I could die getting a damn Uber. Right. So it's like 
Nah, I would rather live a life that's worthy, you know what I mean, of of, of being spoken about, mm. you know what I mean, and, and inspiring others and, and showcasing that example through leadership. So, nah, nah. I'm good at it. That's what's up. That's what's up. Has anybody ever told you, like, you remind them of Nipsey Hussle a little bit? <laughs> you know, I've been getting that a lot. And it's funny, uh, lately I've been getting that a lot. Um, but it's funny, I didn't listen to Nipsey Hussle interviews until after he passed. I listened to his music, but mm -hmm. I never listened to his interviews. So I didn't understand what people were talking about. But they were tying between right. the two. But after listening to him, I believe that there's like a certain frequency you just tap into. And when she tap in, there's certain people that understand it the same way you see reality. Mm -hmm. Like there's different observers, right? High observers, they see things for what they can be and not just what they are. Mm. They see the pieces together and be like, yo, we did this, that, and the third. We have everything. And so I believe, you know what I mean, once you tap into that frequency, we all start to sound alike because we got the same vision. Mm. You know what I mean? A visionary is one who plans with imagination and wisdom. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like coming up on next year, 2020 vision. Those people who have 20-20 vision, you saying that you can see it from 20 feet away, mm -hmm. right? Some people have terrible vision. They got to get up close to see it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Some people, they got to get so close, they legally blind. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Some people can see it all the way back here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Those people that's back here, they going to be saying the same thing because they see the same thing. Right. They saying, yo, I can see where things going to be. Mm -hmm. Everybody else got to wait till they get a little closer. A little closer and a little closer, and then they're like, Oh, I see what y'all was saying. Now you got perfect vision. Yeah. No, I want to be 2010, I'm gonna be 25, 20, 0, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. So, those high observers have enough energy in the mind to observe reality in a different manner and not just observe, but start executing on their observations. Mm -hmm. And when you see those people do stuff, they say, Oh, that boy James, that boy vision, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I ain't see where he was going with this, yeah. but I see it now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's close enough where I can see it. Right. Nipsey Hustle was a visionary. Mm -hmm. He he seen the the importance of merging hip hop and tech. He seen the importance of staying where you came from. He seen the importance of building legacy with family. He seen the importance of practicing inclusion, intentional support. He seen the importance of marketing, and branding, and strategy, and all of these different implementations of things that you know how many rappers been around for so goddamn long. Mm. They were told the right thing, but didn't do it. Nipsey Hussle to me was almost like the perfect Muslim rapper without being a Muslim. Mm -hmm. But Muslim is one who submits his or her will to do the will of God or do good. So to me, if, 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 if when I think about all the things that we taught in the nation of Islam, Nipsey Hussle embodied those principles in his actions that he carried out. Mm -hmm. He did for self. He didn't lead the hood. He stayed in the hood. He taught his people. You understand me? It's like, damn, that brother was solid. You know what I'm saying? So I think anybody that does that go sound and go move like that 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 Nipsey Hussle spirit because they running that marathon in life. That's what's up, man. I I, I, I would I was as you were talking, I was cause you know, right before he passed, you know, he, he used to live in this building. Yeah, right? I was told. Yeah, and um right before he passed I had just inquired about doing an interview with him and, and it was all set to go. I talked to his manager yeah. they were gonna set it up for the next week and that next week is when, you know, everything happened. But as you were talking, I was like, it would have been cool to have you and him and I'm like playing the, the mediator <laughs> and uh, yeah. you know, just asking the question and then you guys go back and forth. I think that would have been a well, you know, dynamic I, conversation. We had an interview with my brother Derek Grace and he was booked to come to Derek Grace's birthday party and I was, I just spoke at the event. I was gonna speak at it if he would have been there. So that mm. probably would have been our official introduction. Mm. You know, so uh, I met him just one time briefly at a, what's that thing they have out here? It was like a concert, like a rap concert. Nah, nah, nah. It was like um, where they people they have like a concert, but it'd be like a event space to where people set up like their clothing and things of that nature. Oh, there's a lot of events like that. It's vendors come through. Yeah, like, it's yeah. a big one. I can't think of the name right now. You would know it if I said it, and it's just escaping my head right now. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just met him briefly, spoke him, what's up, blah blah blah, say. But that was it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, rest in peace, Nipsey Hustle. The marathon yeah. definitely continues, man. We're up. Yeah. So, uh, what does 19 Keys mean or stand for? Uh, Talk to me about that. 19 Keys, man. I was it, 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 I was first impression by 19 Keys mm. uh, through Jeezy. 
Okay. 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 This is about to take a turn. No, no, I'm just playing. Mr. Seventeen. I'll just listen to his new album. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. We vote just a quick, a quick topic. Jeezy or Ross? Oh, I think they too different to 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 compare. Yeah, Jeezy, because Ross has an eloquence with words that I think he's super underrated. Right. And he brings like really high quality luxury raps. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Jeezy bring that high quality luxury trap. You know what I'm saying? And those Ooh, are just two that. two different things. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Cause cause Jeezy had you on your hustle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he makes you, know you want to go back yeah. and trap in the nickel yeah. bags. Like, let's get it. Ross be like, you gotta be the boss of this. You right, know what right, saying? right. Like, it's just a different energy, I think, from both sides. I don't think like it's hard to compare those two because mm-hmm. they, they bring two different elements to the table. Like his is not like Rick Ross is not trap music, right? You know what I'm saying at all. He's like me. boss like Yeah, he's like a a mix between like if Kanye West was born as like uh, Kanye West and like I don't know somebody else, but because because of his like his his sound and his quality, like that Maybach music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, it's that engineering, that producing. He's super artistic and he's super lyrical, mm. but he's super underrated. Yeah, I definitely feel Ross would be is the uh, extension of what Biggie would be if he was still alive. Yeah, I like opinion. Biggie and Ye. Yeah, like, is Biggie Kanye, but yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. But back to Nineteen Keys. But know, yeah, let's keep so, about Nineteen Keys. Um, so, Master Walter Muhammad first impressioned me with the Nineteen Keys from a quote. And in 19 Keys, he said, there was, at the time in the 30s, he said there's 17 million original people mm. on planet Earth. Uh, not on planet Earth, but I believe in uh, the U.S. And mm. he said there's two million Indians. And he said that represents the 19 million rusty locks. And he said there's 19 million well-oiled keys to unlocking those minds. Mm. And those 19 million well-oiled keys more so represents the energy or the knowledge, the key is the knowledge or the energy in order to unlock that mind so it can never be uh, impression into darkness or oppressed ever again. Because, you know, when he say well oiled, he's talking about the oil that secretes within the mind of that pineal gland that activates, right? So for me, it was always about looking at the number 19 as a representation because 19 is the smallest number that represents all numbers. Mm. So that number 19 is not just representing that figure, it's representing all numbers. Mm. One through nine is just all ones. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that represents all black and brown and red people on the planet Earth and giving you that knowledge that can unlock you. Mm. When I was growing up in Oakland and St. Louis, I know a lot of cats that jumped off the porch that never had nobody to guide them never had nobody tell them they was a guy never had nobody tell them how to do business or how to be a man or a woman or whatever it is so the streets right became their guide became their environment and so i've seen a lot of people die you know drugs and just perish because of lack of knowledge and a lack of having a key in their life mm-hmm. you know what i mean their parents was terrible you know what i mean because their parents never had nobody to unlock their mind Right? When your pineal gland is calcified, it's rusty. You know what I'm saying? Like, literally. So it's like, there's no charge of electricity in the minds of these people. You're walking outside and you talk about negativity and that's all they can see. It's <clears throat> all they know. So who's going to be a key in their life? Right. So my goal is to provide that enlightenment and that knowledge to those 19. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that number 19 represents so much more when we get into the, the breakdown and the elements of what that really means. You know what I mean? But there's certain people that tap into universal truths. Mm. There's a 19 mathematical code over the Quran. You know what I mean? And and when when you really understand things from a mathematical perspective, because mm. the universe is mathematical. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when you talk about higher observations and synchronicity, you're talking about having enough knowledge and or enough energy in the mind to be able to notice things. Mm-hmm. But when you're distracted by negativity, when you're distracted by bad news and oppression and things of that nature, there's no enlightenment in that mind because all your energy is going outward mm. and none of it is going inward to sustain yourself. Right. So a lot of people, when they hear things, they can't act off of it. They don't have enough energy mm. because you got to think about it. I'm not a woke individual. I'm an enlightened individual Yeah. because I act off the things that I know. Mm. So somebody, you can 
make them aware of something, that makes them woke. You make them aware that they're eating the wrong food. Mm. They not mean that they go change it. They're going to be like, yeah, I know this is bad for me. So what? I'm going to still eat the Popeyes anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But somebody that's enlightened, when you tell them something, they go change the entire fridge. Mm. And they go change the way that they eat because they got that light in the mind to produce change. Right. So the goal is to enlighten the people. Right, so that you walking around with that energy of knowledge mm. and you changing the way you do, the way you operate, and the way that you move. So no, nah, consciousness is like a protest. It's just making you aware of a problem. Mm. Enlightenment is producing a change. That's what's up, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I I'm with the message. I love the, the purpose behind everything. Now, I want to ask you, with what you do, you know, how do you produce money, you know, when you, when you, with what you do? Mm. So I have several products, uh, businesses and services. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my campaign has always been do for self. Interact with opportunity, don't react to success. The utility of technology today can put a person in there, whatever spaces they want to. Being a person who speaks truth to power, um, you have to use creative capacity in order to be able to make a living for yourself. Because I don't look for opportunities that I know don't exist for me in commercial spaces that I know are not curated for me. You know what I mean? So I can have a great amassed influence that may be bigger than someone else. But because my brand is controversial, that that same person won't give me that opportunity. So I book myself. If I want to go speak somewhere, I just find a venue, right? And I do the marketing myself and the people show up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't need somebody else to validate me. I validate myself in everything that I do. I got gold water. I got crowns. I have... Yeah, let uh, me see the gold water. I have uh, the Mind the Margin platform that I work with my bro, Chris Cole. I have a black-owned uh, streaming service. And people can get all this yeah. material on your website. Yeah, you they website? go to my... um. They go to the... For this one, is goldwater.com. That's G-O-L-D-E, water.com. They can go to the link tree, see more information. We got the crowns. Um, these, I, I got one of the number one luxury enlightenment brands in the country. Mm, um, it's hard. I have people that come from all over and get crowned. I crown celebrities, public figures, just powerful individuals and people that make that journey in life to, you know, tap into their higher mind. Mm. Um, got a bunch of different things I'll be working on. I'll be forgetting. You also got a podcast as well, right? Podcasts. I produce content. Um, I do consultations for people in their businesses. Um, do a lot of speaking. I do a bunch of different things. Like when I talk about creative capacity, I look at it in the sense of there's a difference between abstract thinking and technical thinking. And if you can be creative in today, you can produce whatever you want to. Right. It's like opportunities are abundance. Right. You know what I mean? Like I can sell to somebody directly who hates me, but mm -hmm. they ain't never got to know it's coming from me. Right. Because we got the thing that called the internet. So when you use that, it can be a Trump supporter wearing the MAGA hat. At the time, they buy something. <laughs> yeah. But they're getting it from me. Right. This wasn't always possible, right? Because a person had to see you and they can discriminate against you. Mm -hmm. Now they can't discriminate, right? Because right? they don't even know who they're getting the product from. So creative capacity saying that, you know, uh, technically a phone is made for making phone calls. Mm -hmm. It's made for, you know, guess playing with the internet or texting or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Abstract thinking is saying that I can extract a lot more ways to utilize this phone than what it's technically there for. Mm -hmm. If you're an artist and somebody tells you to paint a picture of that cup, and if you're very good with technique, you're going to do it exactly that way. Like if you Leonardo da Vinci, you're going to paint it exactly the way the cup looks. Right. If you're Basquiat, you're going to do it in an abstract manner. Mm -hmm. It's still going to be the idea of the cup, the emotion of the cup, but it's going to be in your way. You can yeah. extract it a different way. In art, that's the difference between being creative. Mm -hmm. Like those who are abstract, that's the most creative way. Doing the technique, technical and using technique, that's not requiring no creative capacity. Mm -hmm. So you got to think of it like this. Children in school, when you learn, you learn the technique way. Mm -hmm. You learn to memorize things. You learn to do things verbatim and follow instructions. And the good kids, they follow instructions and they learn technique, and that technique gets them to another level and another level with another grade and another grade, which really don't mean shit in life. Right. Right? But when the world is changing around you, and you have the internet and mass adoption of new things, mm -hmm. those bad kids in school that didn't follow instructions, that figured out their own way, that abstracted different ways, that wanted to be loud in school and or be funny, guess who they became? 
the comedians that hired the people that knew that how to follow instructions. Mm -hmm. Because when the tools came, they learned a different way to extract them. Right. So Instagram was made as a platform for sharing photos, mm. right? But you had other individuals saying, nah, I know what y'all said this was done for, but they was rebellious saying, nah, I'm going to extract different ways to utilize this. Right. I'm going to utilize this to put myself on. I'm going to utilize this as a platform for execution, mm -hmm. right? So to me, it's more so about what's your creative capacity towards utilizing things in an abstract manner and figuring out different ways and uses that you can do them as. A mm -hmm. child between the ages of one to seven, um, well, no, about ages of one to four, most children are like, 90% of children are graded at like creative, you know what I mean, extreme creative capacity. It's not until parents are telling you, don't do things that way, do it this way. Programming mm -hmm. starts to set in. By the age seven to nine, only like 4% or something like that are creative. That's you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you can keep that spark of, I see how things are, but as a child, you're questioning everything. Mm -hmm. Like, why does the design have to look like this? Why do we have to do this, mom? Why do we have to do that, dad? Why come this has to be that way and that way? You're always finding different ways. Mm -hmm. So when technology gave you a new tool, those people that were rebellious, they found out a myriad of different ways to utilize things because they weren't stuck with technical thinking. Right. So now Google and all these big companies are hiring those people that don't have degrees because they need people that can figure out different utilities for things, mm. right? So for me to answer your question, it's just I use extreme creative capacity. Yeah. You know what I mean? I utilize my phone as a business center. I don't network. I create my own network. I create my own world. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's a lot of conscious individuals and enlightening speakers right now, but there's no industry that curates their importance. Mm -hmm. There's no blogs for um, consciousness. Not in the sense to where it's like you got all these new influencers and leaders, but nobody's interviewing them in the sense like, what's your favorite color or some shit, how you see they do with the rappers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can create that industry. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just because it's not there doesn't mean that it couldn't be. Right. Just because you're not getting awards don't mean you don't deserve them. That's how right. I look at it. Mm -hmm. So it's like that validation of what you can create is like, yo, figure out a problem and create a product that mm -hmm. solves it. Most people, the gold water, most people don't, don't realize that their 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 mood, their learning, their memory is attached to them getting a the proper amount of sleep. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of people don't have like it's it's just a lot of things that a lot of people have issues with because of all of the things that we eat. Mm -hmm. But you're born with like zero point zero two milligrams of gold within your body, mm -hmm. right? So people ask what's in the gold. It's actually gold particles that's within it. Mm -hmm. So when you drink gold over time, it's like even if you're wearing gold the particles get into your skin. Mm. So at first, the properties of gold within the body were unknown. And then they found out that it actually helps with anti-inflammation and joints and also, you know, electric, you know, the electrical yeah, conductivity nice. within mm -hmm. your body. Mm -hmm. So increasing that, of course, increases the electrical conductivity within your body, mm. right? So now you have more gold within your body, mm. but you're going to need that more gold because imagine if your body also has more chemicals in it. Mm. And also more foods that are not electrical that you eat. Plants and things of that nature, those are electrical foods. Right. Alkalizes the body. So if your body is not alkalized, your pineal glands are cal calcified, you know what I mean? And you're waking up with brain fog, you know what I mean? You can't even, you can't tap into your own memories. You can't even tap into your own electrical thoughts. Right. Right? So what does the gold does? And, 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 and this is my science as I break it down is... You know, for one, it stimulates the brain electrical circuitry, right? So even when you go into sleep, it's going to induce more melatonin because that part of the brain, the hippocampus area, is what releases that melatonin so you can get into that deeper sleep, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of people have experienced their first dream in years on the go mm -hmm. because their brain wasn't electrical enough to even go into that deeper REM sleep where they didn't believe with theta mode to where they had the theta waves and they deep sleep and then they wake up refreshed. Because your brain secretes a fluid mm -hmm. while you're sleeping and it gets into the ridges of the brains and it cleans out the neurotoxins over your brain, mm -hmm. right? So you're not waking up cloudy because you don't have those neurotoxins that build up throughout the day on there no more. Yeah. So now you wake up, now you have access to your actual thoughts. So mm -hmm. people experience increased uh, IQ and like problem solving while they're on it. But what that really is, is that you're getting a deeper sleep. 
you're actually charged up. If you take your phone off the charger uh, 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 in the middle of the night, you will be 50%. So when yeah. you wake up, you're going to need to plug it back in. Right. right. So, but if you keep it on there the whole time, you will wake up at 100%. Right. And you ain't going to need an extra charge because you already ready to go. Right. So it curves you off of like coffee. It curves you off alcoholism. Like I still drink coffee because I like the taste. Mm -hmm. But I don't need it for the energy anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't need it for clarity. Mm. So long story short, man. Get on the go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but now I would definitely like yeah. to try some myself. Absolutely, man, for sure, man. So, uh, with that being said, I mean, with the mission and every other product, it sounds like you're an entrepreneur. You know, you are an entrepreneur. Absolutely. I want to know what does what do you do to unwind? You know, what when do you when you shut it off? You know, you're not you're not trying to motivate anybody and teach anybody anything. You just got time to yourself. What does 19 Keys do? What does 19 Keys do? To relax. Um, you know, I, this morning I got up, I worked out, hopped in the sun, took me a nice swim. Yeah, I mean, chilled, meditated, things of that nature. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to paint a perfect picture like I'm out here just Buddha living. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, um... I don't know. I travel a lot, so like I just I just go on the journey of life. I always say life is about the journey, not the destination. Mm -hmm. So it's not like a one specific thing. I just be enjoying life, bro. You know what I mean? Like I just like go that. about and just do things. I meet people. I interact with people. I think my life is probably more exciting than ninety percent of the people on mm -hmm. planet Earth. Mm -hmm. so I get to go around people, and they get to tell me their stories of how I inspired them at some point in time within life. Yeah, that feeling is so fulfilling that. It keeps me going forever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just, I'll be working, I'll be studying, I'll be traveling, I kick it with family, I kick it with friends, I go to different events. Um, I do art, I design, I think of business. I don't know, man. I, I just live life. You got a lady in your life? I'm working on that. You working on that? I'm talking to the camera right now. I'm working on that. He <laughs> <laughs> talking to you. Let me stop playing, man. <laughs> nah, you know, I'm working on that, though. Um, like we talked about this before and mm -hmm. I always say, you know, you pick the, the right woman, you pick the right destiny. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Life can go many different ways. So for me it's about making the right decision on somebody that can complement the journey and the mission. And if you complement the journey and the mission, then you know, next time you ask me that question, I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah, here she go, right yeah. here. I've <laughs> seen her on the ground. Right, right, right. <laughs> Well, that's what's up, man. Well, you know, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. man. It's been it. great. You yes, know, we sir. had a, this is an extension from yesterday. You yes, know what I'm We had a great conversation yesterday. We brought it to life so everybody yeah, can absolutely. see it here. And uh, let the people know where they can follow you and, and follow the movement and the journey and get the wisdom you share with the people, man. Um, as my brother Ben there, PA, say, man, I want y'all to lead with me. Billionaire, uh, speaking dreams to existence, <laughs> my brother. You know, but a good follower is a good leader because um, you have to lead in order to know where to people push the people in the right direction but uh you can follow me on or leave with me rather on ig at uh 19 underscore keys youtube 19 keys uh podcast 19 keys everything 19 keys man just tap in with me i appreciate y'all thank you there it is man thank you for tuning in to another episode of sleepers for billionaires the podcast i am your host johnny vegas the world changer 19 keys in the building Stay tuned for more episodes to come. Thank you for watching. And don't forget to drink your gold water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Appreciate you. Uh.